Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Patrick Scales on the ball. Line of scrimmage, the 10, O'Donnell to hold. Stretches his hand out, snap, placement, kick by Cairo Santos. It is up. It is good for the win. Get your feast on, Bears fans. <laughs> Thanksgiving, turkey, and the fixings will never taste any better. Bears get the win. 16-14 on the swing of the right leg of Cairo Santos. That was the game-winning kick. In all its drama, as the Bears beat the worst team in football and needed that last-second kick to do it. Welcome in, welcome back. This is Saturday Suckage on Friday. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody were in for Bernstein Rahimi. Did you think Carlos Santos was going to make that 20-air field goal? I really thought after the after he chunked the 53-yarder, I thought there was a chance. I was I was thinking doink. I had to say I'm thinking doink because that's oh the, everything. Everything was in their favor to win this game. Wait, everything. By, by the way, did you notice since you were so keen on the broadcast with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman? Troy Aikman at one point in time used the phraseology double doink, but it had nothing to do with a field goal. There was some play that went wrong and he he cracked himself up by calling it a double doink. I, I'd have I to go think back that and was watch. the pass. You're right. He did yeah. use that. And I think it was I think it was the near interception where Dalton's pass was knocked down at the line of, or tipped at the line of scrimmage and flew just out of the hands of a Lions defender for what would yep. have been another pick. Yeah, and he, for, some reason, he, for some reason yeah. he caught I think that was oh, a double okay. doink. Yeah. Tony Parkey doinked again. Yeah. <laughs> It's oh, just Troy. they're they're a they're a punchline, and for a guy who loves all of the history and that embraces the franchise and the heritageness of the Bears, um, George McCaskey has provided over presided over a clown college. It's just really a a oh oh a, a texter a a one five texter says the double doink was. Mustafer's snap. Yeah, that's it. Off that was his it. Butt. Yep. So maybe yep. a doink for each cheek. Right, I and the guess. ball drops, and Dalton scoops it up. And the funny part about that play is Mustafer was the only one who didn't know the ball was on the ground. It, and it was a good job by Dalton to quickly, yeah. without issue, pick the ball up, like on the first hop, like a good shortstop. Yeah. Here we go. We appreciate that. All right. So we're going to the scores hotline. It's presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. 
We welcome back to the show from Odyssey, from our parent company. He covers all sports. He covers the Bears. He writes about them. He is Cam Ellis. Cam, welcome back to the show. It's Black Friday because Matt Nagy is still coach of the Bears. Why is he still coach of the Bears? Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I, because the report got out before they could do anything about it. Uh, no, I mean, uh, I, I think that it's hard to fire a coach after winning a game on the road on Thanksgiving. Uh, and I, I think that, you know, conspiracy theories aside about how this week went down, you're just not going to end off the week that they just had by doing that because that like they, you, you can only inflict so many self-inflicted wounds in one win four days. So I, I, I think that probably has to do with at least partially with some of it. So Cam, what, what happens the rest of the year? Does this mean Matt Nagy keeps his job at least for the rest of this season or could we see still an in-season firing? I, I think that he's going to keep his job through the rest of the season. And I, I, I think that this week certainly maybe played a part in that in terms of the optics and the PR and the way in which everything happened. Um, but I also think that everyone sort of lost sight of the fact that the Bears don't fire coaches in the middle of the season. And I don't think that Nagy is so bad of a president at Hallis Hall that he needs to be fired in the middle of a 4-7 and seven season at this point. Like I, right. I, I understand that he is not – the, the offensive guru and the guy who's going to get the most out of Justin Fields and everything else like that. But, you know, the season's done. Like, they're not going to make the playoffs. They can barely beat the Lions. Any sort of midseason firing went out the window this last week with how awful everything happened. So I think it's sort of Matt Nagy's rest. You know, the next two months are Matt Nagy's to sort of do with what he will. But I can't imagine him getting fired in the middle of the year at this point. Talking with Cam Ellis, he writes for Odyssey, this here corporate corporate um, corporation that we work for here on the Score. Grody, <laughs> oh, a couple of cor- couple of corporate guys, huh? Corporate, yeah, we are. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. the corporate. Yeah. So, what of everything that happened yesterday on Thanksgiving in Detroit? What really mattered? Who really mattered? What did you like from yesterday, Cam? Uh, that's a good, can I call you back in 20 minutes and answer that? <laughs> uh, I, uh, sure, sure. I, I don't know. Like, I, it's, it's cool watching the Bears throw for over 300 yards. I'll say that. Yeah, like, like, yes. Objectively, it, it, it is fun watching a quarterback throw for that many yards. So um, I'll say that. Like, Darnell Mooney had a nice game. They, you know, 52-yard pass is fun. Um, like I like they, it was the fact that they didn't have to we didn't have to cover a losing team on Thanksgiving is also fun. Like the, it's I, like it's just sort of it was a more pleasant afternoon, you know, in very small but not unimportant ways. And so like I, I don't know how much there is to take it. Like they could barely beat the Lions, like you said. Like they was they played poorly, but it's they're, 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 they won, and there were enough little like fun nuggets in that winning to have a nice you know, start to a Thanksgiving, which I guess is sort of all you can ask for when the Bears and the Lions play at this point. Are, are we finding out that the Bears in the last few weeks have something in in Darnell Mooney? And I know they knew they had something last year, but I guess I guess the question is, 
it, where does where does the what do you see as the ceiling for somebody like Darnell Mooney? Is he a number one guy in the future or no? I, I don't. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like he's played like that so far this year. Um, I, I think he's very good, and I, this is actually it's funny you asked this because I was sort of thinking about this today, and that you know this is the first time in his career that he's at back-to-back 100-yard um, games, and yeah. he sort of lo- is getting the lion's share of the offense the last month or so. Um, but if you ask him, you know, he said, I haven't been playing that great recently. And it, like, I mean, he was targeted 16 times and had five catches against the Ravens. Like, there's, there's some pretty good uh, underlying stats that say, yeah, like he hasn't played as well as the baseline stats would suggest. Um, you know, I think he's great for the offense in terms of the speed, not only just as a deep threat, but like, you know, you saw, we saw the screen against the Ravens. Like, he is so good in that role. Um, I, I think that the Bears still want a wide receiver that, you know, does everything Allen Robinson does. Um, so mm-hmm. that, I, I think that I think that that is more so the number one receiver that they would be looking for. But I think Moody can be a Pro Bowl caliber receiver in this offense in the role he's in. They, they just they need someone else besides that because this offense isn't going to put up huge numbers and points, even if he's having good games, obviously. We're talking with Cam Ellis of Odyssey, Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde. We're in for Bernstein and Rahimi. Thank you for joining us today. I I looked at the stats. You the, the stats were brought to us about David Montgomery in the first half. Now against okay. the Lions in the first game, he ran for 106 yards. I think he ran five times for what 12 yards in the first half yesterday. And it was a yet another example of why Matt Nagy deserves to be fired and why it didn't matter whether it was a win or not, because the win was yet another example that <clears throat> indicted him for what I think his greatest failing is. He, he has not learned how to learn as a head <laughs> coach. He hasn't learned from anything from before where he was... The famous quote about after with the Saints game, right? Look, I'm not an idiot. I know seven right. runs is not enough. But for him, you look at what happened after Justin Fields, what he did in the second half against Pittsburgh with all of that athleticism and the rollouts and playing to his strengths and letting him show you what he can do. And then where was that in the first half against Baltimore? And then you saw yesterday, the first half, he just... He got his quarterback. He clearly had a heavy hand in the game plan, and he wasn't going to run the ball. And running the ball, Mm -hmm. first of all, sets up play action, makes your quarterback look better. But David Montgomery is probably your most valuable offensive player. I just, I don't think he's learned how to learn, and that win indicted him of that charge, on that charge, I believe. What do you think, Cam? Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that, you know, and, and to that point, Andy Dalton threw for 39, you know, threw 39 passes yesterday, and Justin Fields has only ever gotten to 32. And, you know, Andy Dalton's already beaten that twice in his three starts or whatever this year. So, like, there's very clearly a, a significantly different offense for Andy Dalton than there is for Justin Fields. Um, I, I agree. I, I think that that's just Matt Nagy seems to be a pretty stubborn guy in that sense. Uh, you know, it, it's very obvious that he wants to throw these 
quick timed, you know, short, you know, hitch. Everyone makes the hitch jokes, but those sort of style routes that he wants to do this West Coast timing, you know, the the the, the offense that Andy Dalton was brought in and and told that he would be the starting quarterback for, um, and it doesn't seem like he really trusts. And, uh, you know, why they would want Justin Fields for that offense doesn't really make a whole lot of sense and why they would put him in that offense even when he's playing. Um, you know, why David Montgomery gets very arbitrary amounts of rushes every week depending on, you know, no one really knows. Uh, it, I agree. It just – he seems to be trying to force this offense that has never really worked and not only never worked but never really been suited for this roster – um, into the game plan, and I, I think you sort of see that without throughout the four years that no one has really been able to pick it up the way that he thought people would, and, and you know the false starts and penalties have always been an issue, and the routes aren't being run great, and there's not getting a lot of separation. Like there, there's just the, the the pinnacles of the offense Matt Nagy is trying to run are not happening at any point. So I agree. You know, I don't think Matt Nagy has much longer as the Bears coach, um, I, and I think that you're right. The stubbornness and a, a a unwillingness to adjust offense to the players around him has always been a fair knock, and I think it's going to be, like you said, like one of the major indictments of him when it's all said and done. Cam, a temporary reprieve from the Bears. I know that you cover the the Midwest for for Odyssey, and so the sure. Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell, who when he was hired, it, it seemed like he came in with a very high approval rating. W- what is it now in Detroit, and what did you think about some of the Dan Campbellness of yesterday's game as well? <laughs> it, 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 I mean, like it, objectively, if you were being, if you're the butt of a joke. With Matt Nagy also involved, like it's not going well for you. So um, it's funny, you know. There was so much patience for Dan Campbell this year. I think everyone in Detroit was going, "We don't care if we win two games this year." Like Dan Campbell's the guy; he's the future. And then, like all of a sudden, two games looks pretty optimistic. So I, I think that the sense is that you know the talent is not there but the game planning and the timeouts and the in the situational stuff you know some of the stuff that bears fans say about nat Nagy, I, I think that that has people worried about dan campbell you know it, I, I don't think that anyone is concerned about his abilities as a leader or to motivate guys and i think that they've seen that in some games you know the lions are not good but they don't get run over every single game so but I, but I do think that people are starting to say hey you know roster talent aside if this guy doesn't know how to manage games and doesn't understand how to manage clock and doesn't realize that he called back-to-back timeouts like that's a problem that's that is not an NFL head coach regardless of how much talent you have on the field so you know, it'd be surprising, I think, uh, to see any sort of change just because Detroit has played this whole patience, long-term vision pretty hard. But I, I do think there's some there's some fair skepticism of his abilities as a coach that didn't exist uh, half you know half the season ago. Don't know if he he knew that rule. Most of us didn't. Back-to-back timeouts um, results in you're out of timeout <laughs> as it turned out it's five yeah. yards and the bears needed every bit of that five yards. Cause Demir bird would have come up short on that reception. Had they not gotten the extra, he would have been a couple yards short, but in looking at it, okay, let them score. They're going to score anyways. Let them get kick the, t- let them get the touchdown. At least we get the ball back. Cause he never got the ball back. 
And it just, right. it's one of the, where I asked this earlier, when's the last time, Cam, Cam Ellis of Odyssey is our guest, <laughs> when's the last time the Bears didn't have the dumbest coach on the field? <laughs> I, I, it's John a Gruden, uh, the last time uh, they, won, they won before yesterday, would that have been that? Because John Gruden was... Right, I like, probably. Yeah, it is hard to think of times when you you come away from Bears games going, Matt Nagy was the, the coach of the game here. I, I agree. It is it is few and far between, which I think is sort of the, one of the larger indictments of Dan Campbell going forward is that like this this game exposed a lot of things that I think people were a little worried about that now they're like a lot of worried about. All right, serious question for both of you guys. Did you guys know that it was a penalty to call the two straight timeouts in the game? Yes, I did. Steve? I didn't. Okay. I didn't know that. Oh and, my and God! And Molly, this is just a whole other, a whole other episode <laughs> in this, in this clown college that both teams are showing. And yeah, no, I did not. Okay. Yeah, nor did Molly. So I'm just, I'm just counting. I'm just taking attendance here, basically. <laughs> it, it, I, I like though that it's there's a very humanizing aspect to NFL coaches also not knowing things that we don't know, right? Like I expect <laughs> NFL coaches to be like, oh, of course I know that. So it's nice when I'm like, oh, okay, like I could be an NFL coach one day too if I try. Yeah, yeah, it was very Tony LaRussa. Very Tony yes, LaRussa. Right, yes, right, exactly. Exactly right, yeah. Well, Cam, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us here on, on Black Friday. We'll, we'll remain Black Friday because Matt Nagy is still coach of the Bears. But thank you for your insight. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Of course, yeah. It takes out me. Have a good weekend, you guys. All right, Cam See you, Ellis of Odyssey. Covers the Bears, covers the Midwest, as Mark said. Um, in we've dragged down the, the Bears enough, and we dragged down our audience enough uh, with this. There's there is sort of a joyous a joyous video that went viral sometime between the time when Matt Nagy was supposed to be fired and when George said he wasn't, and and then the Bears needed. Santos field goal, but there's with the Bulls playing tonight. We're gonna segue to what Giannis did. How Giannis Giannis talks about his favorite food that, and and the way it is handled and what he does with it and the fact that it was brought up seemingly with a chuckle, and he answered it seriously, almost science like. But he gave you the whole story in just his boyish charm. So I think that we could all, we we could all sort of an intermezzo before we get to more Chicago sports stock about the Bears. Are you ready for this, Mark? Oh, I here? can't wait, man! I am loving your teases today. You are a solid radio man. I, I just think I just think it's time for a uh, an intermezzo, and that's what we're gonna do, and then we'll get back to teams that just look stupid after their loss. Because we'll what, what time? What time is our? Half. Uh, what, yeah. So what time is Cody on? I forget. Cody's on at 10.40. 10, oh, that's coming up in so 20 minutes. So that's why we're doing okay. this now. We just talked about the bad Bears in winning, and we're going to talk about the bad Bulls losing to the Rockets, which would have Oof. been the Bulls. Would have, that would have been the Bears losing to the Lions, and then they lost to the Rockets. So yeah. we'll talk to Cody then. So that's why I think we need this kind of an intermezzo, intermezzo, a sort of a refresher for our palates, and it will be a joyous thing. We'll come back with that. Steve Rosen, Mark Grody. I love I'm it. Sorry? I just love. I just love it, Steve. I just love it. 
Do you? Do you just yeah. love it? I just okay. love it. Yep. All right. And then later on, Vernon Maxwell dumping on Utah again for one of its desserts. It, oh. It's a perfect, perfect post-Thanksgiving discussion. This I have not heard. <laughs> yeah. Go to the break. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go to break. Chicago's Works Radio, 670 The Score. Round ball rock. Na 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 That means Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen were playing on whatever night it was back when they liked each other. Welcome yeah. in, welcome back. Steve Rosen with Mark Rody. We're in for Bernstein and Rahimi. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. So in talking about the bad bears for a long time, and we're about to talk about the bad bulls on the other side of this. Mark, I don't know if you saw this, but WISN, Stephen Watson, asked Giannis if Oreos and, Oreos and milk are on the Thanksgiving menu. Okay. All right? And you would think, okay, that might take five seconds. Yes, no, whatever it is. Well, when he was asked the question, his response went on for two minutes. Oh. <laughs> you got, this is wonderful. This is Giannis being asked the question if his Thanksgiving menu includes Oreos and milk. I have to ask, Oreos and milk on the Thanksgiving menu? Wait, we, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so so it's definitely, um, how you guys say, bed, uh, bed night, bedtime snack, bedtime snack, sorry. So, um, so I had this. I had this like uh, commercial. This video shoot I did yesterday, and it was um, there was um, three kids there, and uh, we were you know doing a shoot about some cookies, you know. And we had some Oreos over there, and uh, the, this kid asked me, he was like, "Have you ever ate Oreos before?" I was like, "Yeah," you know, like when I came to the league, that was the first thing I ate because like. I was always, when I was back, when I was younger, I was always craving them and, you know, I could never afford them, you know. So I was like, okay, when I you know, get a little bit of money, you know, people go spend money in cars and chains. I mean, Oreos, right? So I ate them for like a month straight. No dinner, no lunch, no nothing. So I got sick of them, right? But I, I've, I've had them. So he was like, have you ever dipped them, oh, uh, dunked them in uh, milk? Like, No. It's like, you should try that. So I was like, okay, cool. We, should, we did the commercial. I took the milk. I took the Oreos, and I threw it in the milk. He was like, no, just dunk it. Like, put it in. Like, don't worry about it. Give me a spoon. I grabbed a spoon. I took the first one. I was like, what the hell? No freaking way. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, you like them? I was like, bro, this is amazing, you know? So, <laughs> so you know, obviously, I didn't have one. I had like 12 of them. And, and then I, uh, I went back. I went back home, and I was like, Mariah, why, why did you not tell me that you can throw the Oreos in the milk and eat them? And she's like, I don't, you know, she told me that she doesn't like her Oreos like that. She likes them plain with no milk and all that. And then uh, I realized from now on, that's a every night snack for me. That's awesome. Isn't that great? I mean, it just and it, a story, the history, the, <laughs> the biography of Giannis and Oreos. That and is just, like a little kid discovering yes. sweets. 
That is amazing. And how they work well together. And that oh, was yeah. just an amazing... The, 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 the little kid, you're, you're right, it summed it up really well because there's there's just such the the wonder of a little kid. Oh, my God, you could put them in milk. And yeah. here he was, he was throwing them down. Dip he em. was slam dunking it. No, just <laughs> do it this way and then yeah. eat it this way. Uh, I'm, just, you know, I'm almost jealous of him that he had this discovery of yeah. getting like, oh, man, I remember what that was like. It's like watching your, your favorite television. Somebody's starting it for the first time. I am jealous of Giannis Antetokounmpo at this moment. So then there's this. I, I, I Sometimes we've mentioned this once or twice, but in case you're unaware, Vernon Maxwell, the former NBA player, has been at war with Utah for years. <laughs> Entire state. He has been at war with them. Whenever he gets a chance, he fires on Utah. So there was a report from Fox 13 News Utah. And the tease was cranberry and pickle pie. Apparently it's a Utah thing. Have you ever tried it? And then there is a picture of a cranberry pie covered with pickle chips. Okay. So let me ask <laughs> let me ask you, Mark, have you ever tried cranberry and <laughs> pickle pie? The answer is what you are suspecting. No. <laughs> no. Uh, cranberry, to be honest with you, is a non starter for me, but that's just oh. my taste bud. So but Well, so, Vernon Mac Vernon Maxwell saw this and he retweeted <laughs> This is why everyone's breath stank and they ain't got no <laughs> and they ain't got no teeth in you in Utah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I'm I guess sorry. that yeah, that, 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 yeah, I guess that would be a bad breath combination. Pickles <laughs> and cranberry and what other other Utah ingredients? <laughs> This there. is why everyone's breath stank and they ain't got no teeth in Utah. That was oh, Vernon Maxwell firing on Utah. <laughs> that's that's I like awesome. This. That's I, great. I, Keep it going. I hope they never make up. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. So that's our, we had the intermezzo, the joy of Giannis and, I, and the humor of that Vernon Maxwell. Declaring war on Utah, firing the latest shot in this battle with Utah. And now we're going to talk, take a break and talk with Cody Westerland. <laughs> the Bulls managed to lose to the Detroit Lions of the NBA. How did that happen? Tonight they play the Magic in Orlando, and it ought to be different. It needs to be different. You'll hear that right here on these very airwaves. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Peter Silas is going to tell his guys just to stand still right now and let the Bulls do whatever they want. They can't lose. Another toss up. Got it. And this game is over as the Chicago Bulls fall to the Houston Rockets. 118-113. And for the Rockets, only their second win of the season. That sucks. Chuck Swirsky, Bill Wennington, I'm 
Bulls broadcast, Saturday suckage on Friday here. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. We're in for Bernstein Rahimi. We welcome you to our broadcast. We're broadcasting from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. We're going to go back to the Score's hotline. It's presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. We're going to welcome to the welcome back to our airwaves. Cody Westerlund, who covers the Bulls. Cody, why did you make the Bulls lose to that awful Rockets team? We're holding you responsible. Why? Why did you do that, Cody? I, I was thousands of miles away, Steve, so you can't blame me on, on this <laughs> one. I think the only person you can blame on that one is probably the Bulls players who took the court for the most part. That was a uh, abomination of an effort on the defensive end, allowing the worst offense in the NBA to – score 118 and shoot 50 percent or a bit over there and as Billy Donovan kind of said we messed around uh, was his quote about the Bulls and when you mess around the Bulls aren't good enough uh, at this point to beat teams in the NBA when they mess around on a nightly basis they're a team that you know when they got out to their 12 and 5 start they played really hard every night um, for 48 minutes caused a lot of havoc and when they don't do that the other team can get good looks and we saw the Rockets knock down those threes so uh I feel like that's on the players. They're going to need to respond tonight against the Magic after that. What really was, I think, their first embarrassing loss of the year. When you consider all the factors, I know they got blown out by the Pacers, but that was after a long West Coast road trip on the second of a back-to-back with some guys injured. I thought that Rockets loss the other night was the most embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the Indiana game, too, because the, the rare thing about that was that it was essentially a blowout you know, from buzzer to buzzer. And that doesn't always happen in the NBA. And I just kept waiting for them to get back in that game. Same deal with the the Houston game. Like, where you're just watching, you're thinking, they're going to get back. And they did at the end. And they and they weren't able to, to pull it out and ends the 15-game losing streak for Houston. And now you play a 4-15 and 15 Magic team. So have the Bulls... Have the Bulls reached that weird, awkward point in any sports team season where we kind of have to call tonight a must-win? Uh, you're asking the wrong must-win guy here. I'm the guy. I'm the guy who gets mad at all must-wins. Like you're down two oh, on about yes. seven series, and people call them must-wins. I'm like, actually, no, guys, no. Game three is still not okay. a must-win. Okay. How about how about how about you? How about a you really kind of need to win? You kind of need to win this game. Game. It, it's a must-respond night. I'll give you that. Okay. Okay. 12-8 uh, okay. if they were to lose tonight would look ugly with this tough stretch coming up to kind of in the next four or five games. They'll have the heat on Saturday night uh, on a well-rested Miami team while the Bulls would be playing a back-to-back. And uh, got the Hornets, I think, the Nuggets coming up here again soon. Like, this is a little bit of a tough stretch. The Bulls have played around the league average schedule uh, according to the metrics so far, I know it was a tough, tough go on that West Coast road trip that they they performed pretty well on. But yeah, it's a game the Bulls need to respond, and it's interesting to me because the Magic are pretty bad. I think four and fifteen, but they do have good size, right? They're playing Mo Bamba, Wendell Carter Jr., Franz Wagner together. Like that's a big one, two, three. I shouldn't say one, two, three. I should say three, four, five. That's a big three, four, five for that team. Um, but three big guys and Bulls. Kind of lack size. We know that. They went back to Javante Green instead of Alex Caruso in the starting lineup the other night when Vooch came back. But 
the Bulls are a team that can be taken advantage of in the paint against bigger teams. We saw the Pacers do that. So while it's a game the Bulls should win, the game they're much better than the other team. Like there's some mismatched questions that you could see percolating there if the Bulls don't bring it. So that I think will be the challenge uh, for the Magic, obviously, uh, against the Magic for the Bulls. And yeah, it's just a team like you can't have three bad games in a row. Like you can't really have two bad games in a row and lose to a team on a 15-game losing streak and really have any credibility. But Alex Caruso the other night said, you know, I'm not really concerned about the two-game losing streak. He said, I'm concerned if we don't learn from it. I'm concerned if the Bulls don't respond from it. So uh, I think that's what you'll be looking for tonight when the Bulls play the Magic. Our guest is Cody Westerlin of The Score. He covers the Bulls. We're talking Bulls here. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. I hadn't realized this until the, uh, the legend himself, Casey Johnson, pointed this out on Twitter, that the Bulls are two games off the conference lead after that loss and just one and a half games ahead of the play-in spot. So the Eastern Conference comes at you fast, and that's exactly what you were talking about, and or a good reason why you need to see a response, not just to show that these players were embarrassed, they can be better, but for your own standing, because we were lauding them. We thought, oh, my God, for, tied for first in the conference. Look at this. They're going, going. Oh, they're only a game and a half out of the play-in spot? That would be very bad. It is – what do you make of the Eastern Conference and, and how the Bulls – where the Bulls fit into this now? Yeah, it's it, it's fun. I, I mean, I don't think anything's changed from preseason expectations that the Nets and Bucks are the two teams to beat. And well, well above everyone, a tier above everyone else. I would expect that in some form to, to be the Eastern Conference Finals this year. And then I think the Bulls probably, when they're playing well, are in that next tier below where they could play those teams and be competitive. We saw they dispatched the Nets at home in, in kind of short order. The Bulls played really well and earned a win earlier in the year against them. But obviously the Nets have been playing a little bit better lately. That was one of the Bulls' best games of the season. The Bucks, after a lot of injuries, uh, have, have kind of rounded into form as well. Got a little healthier. Giannis is going off every night, it seems like. So I think the Bulls' best-case scenario are, are kind of a Tier 2 team in the East. I think the Heat are clearly better than the Bulls probably so far. So I think when I look at, like, Bulls' best-case reasonable scenario this year uh, after that start, I'm still probably looking at a four-seed for them. Four-five would be a good accomplishment. But, again, if they mess around, like you said, a game and a half from – from the play-in territory there. Like, this is a team that could easily find itself in the 7, 8, 9, 10 play-in territory. Like, what we've learned about the Bulls early on is they're not bad. Like, this is not a team that's probably going to be under 500 in any realm like that. So, like, they'll be in the mix somehow at the end of this season. It's just how consistent can they be night to night. And, like, how do they cover their weaknesses, right? Like, so far the Bulls have really impressed me with their defensive rebounding. Like, it should be a bigger weakness, and they're still among – the top 12, 13 in the NBA at that, even though it seems like some nights they just get crushed on the boards and they do for the most part, that's a weakness that they've been able to mitigate with good guard rebounding. Like they need to keep those things up all year. If they can, then I think you're looking at someone in the, in the four or five seed territory, but it's a long season. This team is, is got some questions kind of in depth in the front court, but behind Vooch at center, it's a team that still isn't really deep. Uh, I know Io DeSumo's played really well off the bench, but that's a bench that doesn't score a lot. So you're asking for good health and you're asking for your stars to be stars all year if you're going to accomplish everything you want to. So that's why the Bulls got to take care of wins uh, against teams like the Magic and bottom feeders like the Rockets the other night when they didn't get done. 
Cody, you mentioned Vooch, Nikola Vucevic. He he returned uh, to play against Houston. I was kind of in casual watch mode because I was out, sound down, and all that kind of stuff. How did he look in his return, and how how was it? How did uh, Billy Donovan use him? Yeah, you know, he got going in the second half more, but shooting's still a problem. He had a slow start the other night. I think he was one for his first five or one for his first six before he kind of uh, stabilized himself a little bit there. He he just still seems off when he's shooting, like whether it's wide open three-pointer or even these like 10-footers where he's got a good look around the hoop and gets some space when someone else creates. Like he's got to be better, right? He's shooting around 39% overall. This is a guy that given his talents, his track record, and just what the Bulls need from him, he needs to be shooting around 50%, like for them to be more efficient. And really, I think when you look at it, we know the Bulls are really good in transition, right? They're one of the best teams in the NBA in transition because Lonzo Ball is such a good passer. Zach Levine such a good finisher. DeMar DeRozan can get out and finish really well. Alex Caruso gets all these steals. The half court's their problem. That is their problem. Like, they were heading into the Houston game, one of the bottom five teams in the NBA efficiency-wise, um, scoring after made baskets by the other team, which is basically just they line up their defense and you go into a half-court setting against them most of the time. And they haven't been good, and Vooch is a primary reason they haven't been good at that because he's a guy whose shots do come in the half-court, right? Like, he's not out there dunking in transition. He's the guy trailing. He's the anchor of the defense when it comes to rebounding at the other end and being around the hoop. So he trails into it, sets a lot of screens. His passing's still been really key for this team, really important, but he's got to get his shooting um, figured out if this team wants to do what it it needs to because it's just it's a lot to ask DeMar DeRozan to, like, get to the free throw line 11 times every night and shoot, like, 11 of 18 at that efficiency. And he's had some nights where his efficiency's dipped a little bit above that 50% shooting mark lately, lately after DeMar just had an absolute awesome start. He's still been really good lately, but – like, that's why Vooch needs to pick it up because you can't put the burden on Zach and DeMar every night to be super efficient like they had been earlier in the season. You bring up such a, such a great point and a surprising one to me, Cody. Cody Westerland is our guest. We're talking Bulls on the score. Vooch is, I can't remember where I read it, but he, he's under 50% from at the rim within four feet. He's under 50%, which is one of the worst numbers in the league of big men. And I really thought it was going to be a matter of DeMar DeRozan having trouble fitting in. Where does he go? What does he do? Does he play my turn basketball? How does this all work? And it turns out it's Nikola Vucevic having trouble fitting in while Zach Levine and and DeRozan pretty much own the fourth quarter. You do this, I'll do this, we'll get this thing done, and then bang, we're off. It's It's like they're Winston Wolf. Like they're they're they solve problems in Pulp Fiction, and Vooch is not part of this. So why not, or what will it take, or what do you think is the issue here? Well, I think everything that the Bulls did last year can just be thrown out the window after they acquired Vooch, right? Like they slowed way down when they got Vooch, and that's not how they want to play. So even like the month and a half he had last year after the trade deadline. They're not trying to do those things this year. And obviously he just had, what, the two-week absence or it was about the time period for for his COVID-19 protocols uh, that he was out. So he hasn't played much with these guys. And, like, the thing he did best last year was kind of play a two-man game with Kobe White 
who's kind of an afterthought at this point for the Bulls and when it comes to importance right now. You know, he's like the third man off the bench, it seems like, a lot of nights and just hasn't shot the ball well. So the Bulls aren't playing the two-man game with Vooch and Kobe anymore. Like, Vooch is the best screen setter on this team. He's a good facilitator. And I think he's doing those two things well, but he's just not shooting well. Like, I don't think this is as complicated as we might make it, right? Like, Vooch is getting pretty good looks. Like you said, like, shooting below 50% at the rim. Like, you want him shooting shots at the rim. He's a big man (laughs) who's an offensive-minded guy with a lot of talent, can finish with both hands, and he's getting open three-pointers. So, I think we're probably making this more complicated than it needs to be. Obviously, if he's a little more comfortable with the system, maybe he would finish a little bit better. Maybe he's a little surprised in the spots he finds himself in or just hasn't done that as long in his career. But really, I just think I put the burden on him to finish better and and just do that moving forward. And I think we'll say, you know, the half-court offense looks a lot better and and there's not so many many fit issues. Because I do think the pieces are fitting together pretty well for everything the Bulls could have expected. They're just they're not playing efficient enough in the half court setting and sometimes that's a little too much ISO ball. I will say that in the second half against the Rockets and and when you do that, Vooch isn't as involved, but at the same time he he needs to knock down his shots. Cody and that and that's just it. And and I have maintained this throughout this entire season that while it is worth asking about Nikola Vucevic and the the statistics are poor and there are some fit problems He's going. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about Nikola Vucevic because eventually he will make those shots and he will fit in. Like again, worth talking about. But I, I am not. All, Steve, I don't know if you are, but I am ultimately just not worried about Vucevic. Well, I would. I would chime in too. The other thing with that is like, there's not really a good solution here for the Bulls, right? Like they got him to be competitive. They're not looking to trade him. They need him. He is like all their big man depth. So this is a problem you just ride out, right? Like you try to get him fitting in as comfortable as you possibly can and see what happens. And you just got to be really patient with it because he's going to be important with the roster construction you have. And I mean, down the line, you could tilt the offense even a little more to Zach and DeMar if he continues to struggle. I just, I don't think that's something you do in the next week or two. Is Cristiano Felicio available if we need somebody at the rim? Oh, oh no, wait, what? Somewhere in Germany, right, Steve? Last I checked. Somewhere yeah. in Germany, well, I thought. I'll we'll check that. All right. Cody, thanks. Don't let <laughs> don't let him lose tonight against Wendell Carter Jr. Do not let him lose I, tonight. Don't let Wendell Carter go off for 30 points, okay? It's your fault. It, it We're could, holding you responsible. Could be a redem- it could be a redemption day- game for, for Wendell. All right. We all like Wendell. He was a nice guy. So, yeah, right. he was. And he's yeah. grateful the Bulls sent him to a team that might play him. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it, Cody. All right. Have a good holiday. You guys have a good day. Yep. See you, all Cody. Right. Cody Westerland covers the Bulls. Bulls and Magic tonight on these very airwaves. 6 o'clock, 545 is a pregame show with Chuck. And Chuck and Bill on the call. Rick Camp afterwards. I think it's Rick Camp. I'm not sure. We do Bulls postgame. But Bulls and Magic tonight at six um, campy's on the air this afternoon with hub oh, oh um, that's right they're on two to six we got lawrence lawrence holmes is in on like a sort of holiday day so we get to do transition with lawrence um it's not in really about an hour yeah i look forward to that love lawrence it's not really a holiday because matt Nagy is still coaching the bears um and if you and if you do have some you know on this thanksgiving some hate in your heart like the way I hate the lying, hiding, 
Ryan Pace. I, I wonder if Matt Nagy does too. And we'll bring you something that Nagy said that might, you know, lead you to that conclusion. Oh, and one um, other thing. Uh, Matt yep. Nagy speaking to the media right now. He began about five minutes ago. So yep. we will let you know if anything interesting comes out of that press conference or bring it back to you at some point in time. All right. Well, if he's talking, then he's still the coach of the Bears, so it's not interesting enough. That's all I got to say. <laughs> he's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We're in for Bernstein Rahimi. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.